I'm Lula Blue. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, and I do full service sex work as well as an online content creator. I've been doing full service sex work for just over four years now. And then the online um, side of things, the content creation, I just started just over a year ago. Um, and then the virtual services I started just as the pandemic was, was starting. I had to completely pivot all of my work to online. I started offering my long distance girlfriend experience, which was you know, phone calls, video calls, sexting packages. I offered um, a pen pal package. I would write love letters to my clients and send photographs in the mail. I did that for quite a few months. And then in the summertime, I opened back up again uh, like a soft open <laughs> for very select clients for a few weeks to a, a couple of months. And then uh, I had to shut everything back down again with this most recent uh, wave of numbers. So it, it was yeah quite a pivot. I'm very much used to being able to interact with my clients one-on-one -on -one in person and having that kind of physical touch and like the physical senses kind of taken away. Uh, it was it was difficult for me to just sort of do it in a, in a different way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different for sure. There's definitely things that I will be keeping from my online services, like stuff that I, I want to continue doing that I did enjoy. I would definitely keep a lot of my like video sessions, my sexting sessions, my pen pal packages, stuff like that. I found that there were a lot of clients who were kind of almost ready to book me in person, but not quite comfortable. They didn't really know what I was all about. And, you know, it's a lot of money to be investing in a one-on-one -on -one session. So I, I did find that it was kind of like sort of nudging them <laughs> towards booking like an in-person session. I also found that I have a lot of clients who either don't have access to me if they live in remote areas, or I have clients who might have certain disabilities where it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to actually seeing me in person face to face. So my virtual services definitely help me reach a broader uh, spectrum of people, which was really cool. I definitely figured out really quickly how much work online content creation and online sex work really entails, like how many hours you actually have to put into marketing and really just <laughs> trying to find people and, and marketing yourself and photos and, and making and editing content, posting everything. So yeah, the consistency was really difficult to keep up for a long period of time. After a while, I actually ended up getting pretty burnt out from the content side of things and kind of just kept on with my virtual girlfriend experience to kind of keep an income throughout the pandemic. I have been working like considerably way, way more hours during the week than I was before. Um, I think beforehand I was kind of putting a priority on my personal life, whereas right now I don't really have a personal life. <laughs> it's just kind of all about work. That's all that I do right now. So yeah, my business and flow of clients has stayed relatively the same, but way more workload for sure. Originally, when I started doing online content creation, I was using OnlyFans, um, pretty pretty popular this year. I think a lot of people kind of jumped onto the OnlyFans bandwagon, which is great. Um, it sort of normalizes and destigmatizes de sex work for me, so that's awesome. I started using AVN Stars as well, which was kind of like a similar concept, um, a subscription price, and then 
you could sell videos and, and picture photo sets individually. And then they also have like live streaming options and camming and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's more of like a social media platform, which is great. And then as for social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and then more recently, TikTok as well. So <laughs> that's been kind of a, a fun way to uh, put my name out there for sure. I think you kind of have to go to a social media site and kind of relearn what their terms of service are and figure out what you can and can't post. I learned a long time ago that even with Twitter, I was being shadow banned for any sort of um, nudity and kind of more sexual content. So I just decided on Twitter that none of my photos would be nude and then that nobody that I was retweeting any content would be pornographic or nudity, um, which was an another good thing of having OnlyFans was that I could kind of send people there if that's the kind of content that they wanted. And then going over to Instagram, it was even tamer. You had to be even more careful with nudity and sexual content. I had to kind of get a little bit more creative with um, different ways that I was covering up my body on Instagram. And then with TikTok, I found even more so. Like you kind of, you really can't have anything be explicitly sexual. You kind of have to have some innuendos there and um, nuance a little bit more. Can't really explicitly say that you're a sex worker. I, I see a lot of girls kind of changing the spelling for, uh, instead of saying only fans, they'll say that they're on only friends. And then people kind of just have to assume that what that means. Um, the term accountant for sex workers kind of got coined this year where a lot of us just kind of put quotations around the word accountant or like, I'm a, I'm a spicy accountant. Um, and then people kind of get the idea of what you do. So yeah, that's been, that's been kind of funny to try to get creative with all of those different avenues and it, it must have been really difficult for the sex workers who kind of started off on those platforms being able to to put out certain types of content and then have the terms of service completely change and they have to either start a whole new account or to leave the platform altogether which is really hard if that's kind of where all of your followers are coming from i think it's terribly restrictive um i exist i'm a human uh, i exist in the world i'm you know walking around out in public i I'm here, you can't deny that. So social media platforms kind of trying to push us into the shadows and pretend that we don't exist is extremely harmful to our industry and harmful to individual people who, you know, might get um, put into dangerous situations and, and pushed into the shadows where it's not as known and it just creates more division and it creates more stigma that is actually like dangerous to us. And then on top of that, just, completely ruins our stream of income, especially during a pandemic where so many people were kind of pushed towards the direction of sex work and had no other option. It should always be an option for people if they choose it. And I just think that it's a little bit ridiculous to try to pretend that that's not true. I don't know. I, I kind of understand the, the no nudity on certain platforms. I get that. Um, but I do think that if you're gonna have adults on your platform at all, in any capacity, you should understand that adults should be allowed to talk about sexuality, should be allowed to talk about their jobs, should be allowed to talk about different issues that might come up and pretending that that doesn't exist is, is just ridiculous. I think people should be more so monitoring social media that their kids are using rather than trying to censor and suppress the adults that are using those sites as well. In my past, I, I don't really deal with this as much anymore because I've been sort of out as a sex worker to most of my friends and family for quite a number of years now. And uh, 
So I don't really run into this issue as much anymore. But originally when I was kind of coming out to certain people in my life, it was sort of this like level of distrust in my own autonomy, like people not really believing that I'm in control of what I'm doing or that I might be a victim to something. And that was really frustrating to me because not only does that kind of perpetuate this idea that sex workers are these poor uh, victims of sex trafficking, but then it also sort of takes away from actual victims of sex trafficking and, and sort of just puts a blanket over all of us um, and, and, and makes us all the same when in reality, like victims of sexual trafficking, like they, they need help, like they need support. And they also don't need to be made to feel like they're less than or that they sort of have no choice. And, and it's, it's just really frustrating to see that. Um, I do feel like I've seen a shift in stigma a little bit over the last year. I think that with the normalization of online sex work, that is helping a little bit, but of course, uh, full service sex workers or in-person sex workers and even street-based um, sex workers still kind of carry that level of stigma and, and there definitely is a uh, hierarchy within sex work that that needs to stop for sure. None of us are better than any of the others and I just think that in any industry, you know, there's there's trafficking and I think that we should just put a stop to that. Like that has, that needs to, to end, but don't compare slavery with somebody who's willing to do that work and wants to be in that industry. Sex work has always kind of been something that I've thought of as an option, like as a career option. Um, I grew up watching a lot of old Western movies and a lot of those movies had, you know, the saloon girls and like the brothel workers and the madams working the brothels, stuff like that. And I kind of had that sort of perception of what sex work was uh, growing up. Originally, I kind of toyed with the idea of doing pornography. And when I was looking into that, you know, I'm in a kind of centralized city in uh, Canada. There isn't a whole lot of porn companies around here that are reliable and trustworthy. So I, I was not having a lot of luck with that. And um, I actually found an agency that was hiring for full service sex work, saying that they were fully licensed and fully legal. And I, I immediately was like, oh, that's legal here. And I looked into it and uh, realized that the laws in Canada say that, you know, you're allowed to work as a full service sex worker. So I, yeah, immediately kind of jumped on that and just went from there and I, I've loved it ever since and I've just kind of always been of the mindset that the, you know the day that I start hating my job is kind of the day that I should probably leave it but for now I yeah I'm really enjoying it. In Canada we have like very limited legalization um, it's legal for me to provide sexual services but it's actually illegal for my clients to purchase those same services so that kind of creates its own level of issues <laughs> in our country um, and definitely more so in the states where it is fully criminalized except for in, in select counties in, in select states. You know, we could probably talk for hours just about the legality in different countries. Um, and I do think that it kind of sucks because in Canada, a lot of the time our media is often just like American media in general. So a lot of what we are seeing of different professions or different industries is sort of the American perception of that industry. And it's just not really relevant here because of the different laws and um, different regulations up here. Um, so yeah, I think with myself not even realizing that full service sex work was legal in Canada, I uh, kind of just lumped us in with the states in that sense. So I, I can imagine that a lot of people probably feel that way as well. 
Um, we've kind of talked about how Canada has legalized certain aspects of sex work, but decriminalization of sex work is kind of that's my dream. I think that it's completely possible. And I think that that would kind of get rid of a lot of the issues that we're faced with. When I think about like something that I'm doing with my body, like my body that I was born with, that I grew throughout my life, and I'm not allowed to charge money to use my body for services with a consensual adult. Like I just don't understand how that could possibly be regulated and and have laws around it like i just i just don't understand how anyone could think that that's okay um like we've kind of touched on uh, a little bit earlier it's the stigma stigma really needs to end around sex work around like sexuality in humans in general it's really harmful to people and yeah i'd like to see that go away i run a support group here in calgary for sex workers in my community and I've kind of been talking to them and to my parents about potentially starting up support groups for loved ones, like partners and parents and siblings of sex workers to kind of be able to talk about, you know, just kind of like core beliefs that they've they've had or held for so many years and then finding out that a loved one or a child is, is a sex worker and, and, you know, kind of coming to terms with that and working through that. Um, I think that would be really helpful too. So that's something that probably could change a little bit sooner, which is great. There's actually an author named Lola Davina who wrote Thriving in Sex Work, Staying Sane in the Sex Industry. And um, she has two books out right now. The first one, Thriving in Sex Work, and then the second one, Thriving in Sex Work, Sex Work and Money, um, where she kind of goes into a little bit more of the financial side. And uh, yeah, I loved her book, reading it for the first time and, and just thinking like every sex worker needs to read this book. And I wish that we had a support group around this piece of literature. I, I, yeah, I just really wanted to kind of have a book club of sex workers in my area to get together and be able to discuss certain chapters in the book. Um, so we started doing that in person. Once the pandemic started, we weren't able to meet in person anymore. And we kind of switched our support group over to Zoom, where I was actually able to sort of broaden the support group and now we have members from you know all over Canada we have members in the United States I have members in the UK that come together once a week and read another chapter from Lola's book and discuss and kind of support each other and talk to each other and check in with each other and we were talking about briefly the legality in different countries that has been really interesting to kind of talk to um, people from the United States people from the UK about kind of the different difficulties that they're faced with because of legality issues in their home countries and then also just with the pandemic um, sort of seeing how that has been impacting people in different areas and it is one thing that sort of connects all of us and then also sex work connecting all of us yeah that's just been amazing to have through this pandemic not only for me but to my other group members I'm sure um, yeah so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, expand on that a little bit more this year and uh, hopefully start meeting in person again, but also keep the online meetings because it's been really great to be able to connect with so many people from all over. A lot of the times when sex workers are talked to and their stories are discussed, oftentimes it usually is a middle-class white sex worker that is interviewed and, and talked to. and. Obviously, that is not the only type of person that is doing sex work. Um, you know, there is quite large diversity in, in people that are in this profession, just in any other aspect of life. People of color and Indigenous workers often are faced with a lot more hardships 
transgender LGBT workers as well. And um, I, I, I would like to see in the future more of those voices lifted up because, you know, my story is my own and I'd like to see a little bit more representation of people that are talked to. So yeah, that would be, that would be amazing as well. You know, uh, ending stigma just ends with us as individuals. Um, if you hear somebody making horophobic jokes using terminology that they shouldn't be using, um, slurs towards people in my community, I encourage you to stop them and, and correct them. And if you have somebody that you love that is a sex worker, that is like the number one way to help end stigma for your loved one in this community is to actually correct people and tell them that it's not okay to refer to us as whores and hookers and prostitutes. And, you know, we, we don't like to be referred to in those ways and it actually harms us more than anything um, physically. So yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing if everybody could sort of be a little bit more mindful with the language that we use in day to day. This episode of I'm an Accountant, Sex Work in a New Age was created and produced by me, Sarah Ladenbach. The content and imagery used in this interview have been given to me with explicit consent by the interviewee. Lula Blue can be found on Twitter at Lula Blue the Babe and at Your Lula, as well as on her website, www.mygirlfriendlula.com. Lula also runs Thrive, a support group with weekly online meetings. Thrive is a peer-led support group for all facets of sex work, heavily inspired by the book Thriving in Sex Work by Lola Davina. Current and retired workers are welcome. Thrive can be reached by email at sw.thrivehive at gmail.com and on their private Twitter page, at SW underscore ThriveHive. Links to all of these can be found in the description of this episode. For a list of sex work organizations, including sex worker support groups, please see the links in the description of this episode. Support your local sex work organizations in any way that you can, whether it be by donations or simply reading their material.